Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Well, good morning, Grace Place family. Hope you are well. We're in part two of our Christmas 2020 series. The subtitle today is Christmas Rage. Probably not a theme that you've heard uh, during any Advent or Christmas season before, uh, but I think, I believe that the Holy Spirit has given me a word that will speak to your heart uh, this morning. So um, I have a question for you, and I want you to type the answer in the chat this morning. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, in the YouTube chat, or Facebook, type this in. What is your favorite holiday? Um, Is it Halloween? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it Easter? Maybe it's Christmas. I want you to type in your favorite holiday in the chat. You know, for so many people, including my wife especially, Christmas is the best time of the year. She's got Christmas music playing in the car as soon as the radio stations start playing them. At home, if sports aren't on, a Christmas movie is probably on. We're currently on repeat between Home Alone 1, 2, and 3 and the Santa Claus movie right now. For so many, the Christmas season brings us good memories of drinking hot chocolate and watching Christmas movies in front of the fireplace. It brings up good memories of our family spending time with one another. It brings up good memories of when we were kids waking up at the crack of dawn so that we could open up all of the gifts that Santa brought us. For many of us, the Christmas season is genuinely a celebratory time of Jesus, family, feast, and giving. But for a whole host of other people, Christmas time doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. This season actually brings up memories of dysfunctional family get-togethers. For some people, the Christmas season brings about a rage inside of you that you don't even know why it exists. But if we dig a little deeper, we realize that the rage that we feel or the deep depression that we sink into during the holidays stem from past or maybe even present physical, mental, or emotional trauma. It might be that during the Christmas season, you have to go spend time with the very person who is the source of your pain. It might be that during the Christmas season, you get around family and explode because you guys are carrying around pent up anger and resentment toward each other. And it all comes out during this time together. A few years ago, we were in Kansas City visiting my family for Christmas and my sister was in a very stressful time, both in, with her job and in her personal life. And I remember we were driving in the car, going, home, going back to my parents' house from somewhere, and I said something. And it wasn't even confrontational. It wasn't mean-spirited, but it triggered something in her heart, and it set her off, and she just exploded on me. It took her back to a place of... of I don't know. She was just in this place of always feeling like people viewed her in a certain way. And that comment that I made to her, even though I didn't mean it that way, it triggered something in her and she exploded on me. And then my pride rose up and I went right back at her and I exploded back at her. And we ended up not talking for a couple of days. And it was such it was so sad because we don't get to see each other very often. And we spent that time 
angry with each other until we came back together and made up and all that stuff. It's funny, all this rage comes out of us during what's deemed the best time of the year, the season of good tidings of great joy. And, and that is just during normal years. But we all know that 2020 has just hit a little differently. Some of us are feeling a rage on the inside because we're angry with God for all of the loss we've experienced this year. Some of you are angry because your most basic social needs have gone unmet for months now and you feel like there's no end in sight. Some of you are angry because COVID has kept you from being able to travel and see your families this year. For some of you, you haven't had a rage rise up in you because the racial unrest in our country and what it has recently gone through has triggered deep emotions inside of you. And one of those emotions are rage. You might feel like even through all of the progress we've made in this country, you see so much inequality and injustice around you. It hits home and it creates all of this stuff on the inside. As believers, what are we to do with our rage? The rage caused in us because of the injustices and abuses done to us. The rage that rises up in us because of the level of high stress that we're living with and that we're carrying. The rage that rises up in us from the resentment and anger we're dragging with us through life. The rage that rises up in us from our candidate not being elected president. The rage that rises up because of how our worlds have been impacted by COVID this year. As fallen human beings, our minds are bent towards focusing on the negativity in life. We actually must be very intentional about looking at the positive things in life because of this. In fact, neuroscientists have a name for this. It's called a negativity bias. I heard somewhere that neuroscientists say it takes three seconds for a negative memory to imprint on the brain, but 14 seconds for a positive memory to imprint on the brain, M meaning it's so much faster and so much easier for negativity to be imprinted in our brain and into our heart than it is positive things. So again, I ask, what are we to do with our rage, specifically this Christmas season? Well, point number one is express it to God. Express your rage to God. Some of us have been taught indirectly that God cannot handle our anger, our rage, or our doubts. But if this were true, would our God really be all-powerful? I don't think so. Because some of us have, have this theology, we walk through life believing that God doesn't really care about what I'm going through on the inside. We have all of this pent-up emotion that we feel like we can't go to God with. So what happens is instead all of that pent up stuff, emotion on the inside, it starts to leak to everyone in our lives, especially to those we love and care for the most. And we end up hurting those who should be bringing us the most joy. Let's look at uh, Psalm 137 to get some more insight about this. Uh, I'm going to start with verses one and two. And it says this, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. As we thought of Jerusalem, we put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. Why were the Israelites weeping as they thought about Jerusalem? 
Well, because Psalm 137 is written from the backdrop of the Babylonian exile and siege. It's written from the perspective of the Israelites who were experiencing the trauma of the destruction of the temple, which was their religious and social center, the burning of their city, Jerusalem, and the rape and murder that often accompany both modern and ancient conquests. The Babylonians, under a ruthless ruler, had done all of these things to the Israelites, and they were in a really dark place during this time. So let's jump down to verse number seven. Oh Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. Oh Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Can you believe what you just heard from the B-I-B-L-E that's the book for me. Can you, can you believe what I just read right here? The psalmist just said, happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Can you hear and feel the rage, the anger and frustration toward the Edomites who encouraged the siege and the Babylonians that carried out the siege and exile? We might be thinking, how can this be a proper response for a Christian? for a believer, for someone who has Christ inside of them? How could, how could we, with the right conscience and heart, pray that the babies of our enemies would be smashed against a rock? To those questions, the psalmist might ask us a question. What do you expect people to pray when they've seen their loved ones murdered and raped right in front of their eyes? When they've seen the center of their religious and social lives destroyed, when they've had their homes burned down and lives uprooted and forced to go to a foreign country against their will, what do you expect them to say? What do you expect them to pray? This passage and others show us that wounded, traumatized believers should be able to express to God how they really feel, what's really happening, how that event or that person or that situation really made you feel. If we can't bring our raw, truest emotions to the Father, then what hope do we really have? Professor and Anglican priest Esau Macaulay says this in reference to this part of the passage. We must trust that God can handle those emotions. God can listen to our cries for vengeance. And as the one sovereign over history, he gets to choose how to respond. The fact that Psalm 137 is in the canon of Scripture as a permanent record shows that the people of God are allowed to feel deeply and express deeply. It gives us permission to bring the depth of our pain to a loving God who isn't distant, but is close to the broken hearted as he tells us in Psalm 34. Although the Bible gives us permission to feel deeply and lament the wrongs done to us, it does not stop there. God, through the Spirit-inspired Scripture, calls us to imagine a world beyond our trauma, beyond our hurt, beyond our pain, beyond our woundedness. And that leads me to my second point. What do we do this Advent Christmas season with the rage, the anger, and the resentment that oftentimes comes up? Well, number one, like I said, we express it fully, truly, genuinely 
authentically to God. And then number two, we look to the doctrine of incarnation. This doctrine is the Christmas story. Listen to what Leonardo Boff, Brazilian theologian, philosopher, and writer says about the incarnation. Once Christianity affirms that a man is at the same time God, it stands alone in the world. There is no other religion that claims that the God of the universe became man. Christianity stands alone in this claim. And because in Christ, God stepped out of heaven, we have a God who understands us inside and out deeply, intimately. Why? Because he is one of us. 100% God, 100% man. A mystery of mysteries, but the greatest news we could ever hear. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 16. This is Paul speaking, and he says this, Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. And then look, let's look at John chapter number 1. Uh, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. And this is my favorite passage when it comes to the incarnation and one of my all-time favorite passages in all of the Bible. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh, verse 14, and made His dwelling among us. Think about that. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The significance of Christ being revealed as the Word becoming flesh is this. Jesus enters our suffering. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 tells us that Jesus, our high priest, sympathizes with our weakness, but was tempted and tried in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. That word sympathize is the Greek word sympatheo and means, and literally means to share in our Suffering. The word sympathy in our English dictionaries means the fact or power of sharing the feelings of another, especially in sorrow or trouble, fellow feeling, compassion, or commiseration. There's something so powerful about our God entering into our turmoil, entering into our struggle, entering into our weakness. He stepped out of heaven and into our world. He understands what you're going through. He understands what you've been through and he's going to understand what you will go through. He understands what you're feeling. He understands your pain. And because of this church, you and I, we can trust him. Jesus knew what it was like to experience injustice and trauma. Think about this. Two of his closest friends and confidants Judas and Peter betrayed him at his most vulnerable moment. He was unjustly accused of crimes and sentenced to death by a corrupt legal system. Jesus understands. He shares in our suffering because he is 
one of us. You know, after I had cancer in 2014 and then again in 2016, my ability to connect with people drastically grew because I could relate to other people's pain in a way that I just could not, even if I tried, I just could not uh, relate to people's pain before cancer the way I could after I went through what I went through. I could share in other people's pain because I had experienced pain of my own. I had been close to death. I had spent nights in the hospital making, uh, wondering if I was going to make it through. I had witnessed my body literally break down due to the chemotherapy. I, 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 during my chemotherapy treatment, I had lost my hair, my eyebrow, every, everything. And I remember um, going when I was feeling as, as, you know, when I was feeling decent, I would go pick up my kids sometimes and I would go up to uh, parents of my kids that I was friends with and I knew and uh, I would go up to them and they wouldn't say anything and they would look at me awkward. And and uh, and and then finally, after what seemed like an eternity, they would be like, oh, it's you, Steve. It's you, Stephen. Like they didn't even recognize me because my body looked so different. And now, because I've gone through some pain, I've gone through some things, I can relate to other people's pain in a very unique way. And now every time I share my story of going through cancer, guess what happens? People line up after service and they'll come up to me and they'll share stories of how they went through cancer or who, how a family member went through cancer. Or they'll have me pray for them because they have cancer. Or they'll have me pray for a family member because they're going through cancer. Why? Because I have entered into their suffering. I can relate to them and they can relate to me. So here are the implications of the incarnation. If God through Christ truly entered our world, then the world is a different place, even when that's not my experience. My experience may feel like hell on earth, but because Christ entered our world, there is hope beyond my hell. This world and all its problems is not all that there is. There's a heavenly realm after death where sin, sickness, COVID, loneliness, racism, pain, they do not and will not exist. And because it's different, I can forgive. I can forgive my enemies because I believe God stepped into my world, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross and resurrected from the grave. Belief in the incarnation gives me a framework to believe that nothing is impossible and that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if nothing is impossible, then forgiveness is possible. Let me say that again. If nothing is impossible, then forgiveness towards the person that hurt me, wounded me, abused me, the, the source of my rage, then forgiveness towards that person is possible. In Christ, we have a vision of a person who can heal our pain and dismantle our resentments because he became flesh and dwelt among us. He enters into our rage and pain as both a friend and redeemer. Whether we've been saved forever or a new believer or we're not a Christian, God coming down and entering into our pain and suffering is a God in whom we can trust. 
It's when we remember that forgiveness cost God something, meaning he absorbed the cost in himself on the cross and paid for our redemption. It's when the thought of what it cost God for us to receive freedom and forgiveness for our sins permeates our heart and soul. We can forgive those who are the source of our rage. This Christmas season, take your rage and express it to God. And then take your rage and give it to your friend and redeemer, the God-man, Christ Jesus. Don't hold on to your rage any longer. Don't keep carrying that anger, that frustration, that, that, that thing inside of you because it's leaking to everybody in your life, especially those whom you care about the deepest. Here's the deal. Some of us are so wrapped up in our rage that we feel more like Psalm 137. Yeah, the smashing baby heads. That's how we feel more than Jesus' call to forgiveness. I understand that, and God understands that, but He wants to heal us of our wounds and give us peace and joy and wholeness. The rage that you and I have inside of us, that is not God's best for your life. That, that is not the place that God wants you to stay. He has so much more for you. He wants you to live a life full of joy and full of peace where you're not carrying this wounded heart, but that you have emotional and spiritual health. God wants you to move into 2021 in strength. He doesn't want you to carry the rage from 2020 into 2021 because he has something new for you. He has something fresh for you. And, 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 and as long as we're carrying our past into our present and future, we will not receive all that God has for us. God desires deeply for your heart to be whole. He desires deeply for you to have the ability to love well. He, he desires deeply for you to be able to go and see your family during Christmas and walk in complete peace and complete joy and actually enjoy the people that you're around. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to go like with your heart all broken up and, and fractured and, and go and just, and, and just leak all over everybody and you have a miserable time and then you, and then you come back into the city and, and then you have to have a vacation from your holiday vacation. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to lay your rage, to, to lay your pent up frustration and anger and all of the things you're going through. And he wants you to lay them down at his feet. He wants you to breathe. He wants you to have a clear mind. He wants you to have a clear focus. He wants you to take his yoke upon yourself. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants you to cast your cares on him. So I want to encourage you, church, to do that.
because Jesus entered our suffering through the incarnation, because he stepped out of heaven, because he did not stay distant, he came down to this earth. You and I can have freedom. You and I can experience the fullness of his love. And we can give the fullness of his love. You see, the doctrine of incarnation is so important because it is vital to our healing. It is vital to our wholeness. Jesus gives us what no other God can give us, that he stepped out of heaven and entered into our brokenness. And not only did he enter into our brokenness, he was broken so that we could be whole. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.